Hello there. My name is Gareth Long and I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences at ARU. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing some of our students, alumni and academic and technical staff to explore their experiences of education, their career paths and their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. In this episode, I talk with BA Writing and Film student Michael Bruce. Michael is an international student from Macon, Georgia in the US, and we talk about how Doctor Who and Fish and Chips were key to his decision to study in England, the difficulties and pleasures of moving to a new country after a childhood spent in homeschooling, and how his addiction to making horror films was inspired by movies like Silence of the Lambs and Insidious. We also just about managed to stop ourselves getting too carried away talking about our shared love of superhero stories. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, great. Thanks for joining us today and agreeing yeah, to course. do this. Yeah, if, you could, if you could start by... Um, just telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do, both at AIU and outside of it. Well, uh, my name is Michael Bruce, and um, I'm an international student. I'm from America, uh, particularly Georgia, making Georgia, and um, oh. I'm a writing and film student. And you write and make films outside of the course as well? I've always wanted to, but this course of has pretty much opened the doors for me to finally do what I wanted to do. So I've always had these ideas and I've always had little projects, but uh, now that I'm in uh, uni, I can actually uh, make them come to life. What did you study before coming to ARU? Actually, um, it's kind of funny. It's completely different. I did attend this uh, online university for a little bit, um, studying business and accounting, but it wasn't my cup of tea. So uh, I finally went back to my roots and my passion, which was writing and film before. So uh, before it was accounting and now it's film and writing. So you always felt you were creative before doing business? Yes. Why did you decide to do the business or try business? Um, I think I let some people on the outside kind of talk to me and my family. We have a lot of entrepreneurs and um, I'm I'm good at like things like cooking and baking. But I've always since I was a kid, I, I mean, I slept with books and comics at the end of my bed every night. And um, I kind of let the outside voices get to me on um, business when I really wanted to be creative and write. So um, that's why I stopped listening to those voices and tried to do my own thing. And it's it's working out pretty well. Did those voices come back to you when you told them that you wanted to do writing and film? Surprisingly not. I expected a lot of backlash, but um, they, they supported me and helped me get through it. So I was um, I was a little nervous, but I, I know I wouldn't be happy if I didn't do what I wanted to do. And they understood that? They did. That's good. That's good. Uh, which school or university did you go to before AIU? Um, it was an online. It's based in Colorado. His name is uh, Aspen University. Okay, yeah, I've heard yeah, of yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the one I went with. I, um, I kind of part of me regrets doing it because it, you know that's money, but at the same time, um, I probably wouldn't have been exactly where I am without something beforehand. So I, I guess I won't change. It. I, I wish I couldn't go back and change it then. <laughs> Why make the move to England in particular? Don't laugh, but when I was a kid, I always. I was always fascinated with Doctor Who. And from there, I just started checking out more things and looking around. And I was like, wow, I really want to go to the UK. Um, and of course, fish and chips was like my favorite dish when I was a kid, too. So I had to come to where it originated. <laughs> Is it different here, fish and chips? Um, Yes, it's, it's better. It's actually 
fish and chips because back home, the um some restaurants they'll just give you like fish sticks and things like that. But here it's like more authentic. I love it. And um, you know, they they didn't really understand the meaning of actual chips back home. They were always like crispy fries with these like the thick cut chips. Like here, I love it. Yeah. Do, do you get those kind of chips in America at all, or is it always fries? Usually, um, you only get them when you go to a, like a steakhouse, which they call them steak fries, which is mm. uncultured is all get out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've uh, noticed them being called that over here as well now. Really? Shops. Yeah, I've bought some steak fry, uh, steak chips, uh, something like that. They called them. Yeah, steak cuts. <laughs> yeah. So, when you um, applied to AIU, did you come through a, an agent or anything? If I'm not mistaken, I actually, I don't remember using the agent. I believe that I applied directly through ARU, which, um, because I tried to use the, I forgot the name of it. Um, is it UCAS? I think I tried to use yeah. UCAS, but things didn't work out because I didn't have um, all the cre official credentials at the time. So I went directly through ARU and got help, and that's how I applied. So how long have you been studying here? Um, I got here, actually, I flew out a day before my 21st birthday, which was, my birthday was August 7th. No, after, excuse me. I flew out on August 8th, got here on the 9th, then spent the month here and started studying a month later, which was the 9th of September, if I'm not mistaken. So I've been here since August, but I started studying in September. This was August last year? Yes. Okay. Was there any impact from coronavirus restrictions or anything like that? Oh. There was. I, I wasn't vaccinated before I got here. I got vaccinated after I got here. So I had to spend, I forgot how much time in this uh, studio. And it was, it was a lot because um, I wasn't used to being locked in uh, like this, not able to go out. But um, after I got out, of course, I did get COVID and severe pneumonia. Uh, but I got my vaccines and everything and it's uh, started to ease up. But the first initial impact was pretty, it was pretty big. And you were recovered by the time you had to come over. Um, yeah, well, I actually, I got uh, COVID and pneumonia while I was here. But while you were here, sorry. I yeah. yeah. Yes, it was a, it was a rough transition, I'll tell you that, because I, um, back home, I, I really wasn't going out that much, um, I, because my, my mom was diagnosed with MS in 2016, and from there, I've been taking care of her for the last few years, so I wasn't really going out, so I guess... I thought my immune system was strong. Then I started to go out like every day, every week here, and I kind of got hit with it. But now I'm starting to balance out and I'm feeling a lot better. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. So was it just you looking after your mom back home? Well, uh, my dad, he's, uh, he's a, a sheriff deputy right now. So he's, oh. he's always out working and things like that. So he would be there when he could, but otherwise I would be at home. And my sister would step in sometimes, but she has uh, children. So it was, it was mainly me like cooking and cleaning and making sure she was, um, taken care of good so how was it um in your part of america when lockdown came in um i mean i'm trying to think i know that um i when when the, the biggest thing hit which was uh, i think i was working for a ups at the time a partial company and it was it felt weird because of course you have to wear your mask and um of people like get vaccinated and things like that it was i didn't go out too much but everywhere we went it was it was like kind of scary seeing everybody with the mask and it's like you hear a person cough once and you're like paranoid and it was it was pretty scary but um the lockdown in america at the time it wasn't it didn't seem very strict like it did uh in the uk okay yeah so going back to your your course and your creativity what is it you really want to do? Because you're doing a joint honors course, writing and film. Yeah. Um, so what What would you 
like to do with that once you graduate? Um, I've always wanted to write. I have so many ideas for uh, novels, uh, novelettes, things like that. So I want to become a successful writer, but I also might be interested in directing a bit too, because as I've been filming, um, and I actually have acted in my films as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's like a little side thing. I would like to do a bit of acting in the things that I create, but mostly um, I like being behind the camera in the front and uh, writing because... Um, for some reason, I just have these beautiful ideas and I want to put them out for people because I feel like even if it's similar to someone else's, I can put a new twist on it. Or um, if it's completely original, take some influences from other places and combine them and make them even better than anybody's, uh, what everybody's seen. So that's my that's my whole goal after I graduate. What kind of films do you make at the moment? Right now, we've been focusing on horror, but um, I think that's because we, me and my group, uh, we haven't had a lot of time. So horror is like the easiest thing to go to for some reason. But um, right now, we're actually working on a bit of a comedy uh, film, which um, should be done within the next few weeks. But as of now, um, I mainly work on horror and um, dark drama, but we're uh, we're looking to branch out a little bit. And these are all as part of the course, are they? Yes, yes. For now, we're um, definitely... Maybe even during break, um, I think in May we get done. We'll probably be doing some uh, things off the course just uh, just to polish our work a little bit. And have you done much just writing rather than film during the course? Um. Well, the first the first trimester we um it was it was kind of a mix because we only have one class that allows us to film. That's constantly filming and making these films, and then the rest of them are mostly like writing. Um. So for the for the first half, I did a lot of writing as I'm also working on a horror novel. Um, but on the other hand, this second trimester, we've been mostly filming. So um, it's kind of a mix. I do have some projects in the writing side and some projects on the film side, but more on the film side now that we're working a lot. And they're all, oh, quite a lot of them sound like they're horror at the moment. Yeah, for now. I do want to switch up because uh, my teacher, uh, Jenny, she's... Every time I uh, pull up a film, she's like, it's horror, isn't it? I'm sorry. Yes, it is. <laughs> and she's, I was like, I'll do a, a comedy next time. And she goes, you say that every time. And I was like, I promise this time I will. You could do a comedy horror. I could. <laughs> it would surprise her. <laughs> it's a great genre. There's some really good comedy horrors out there. It is. Have you seen uh, Zombieland? Yes. Yeah, Zombieland like is Zombieland. one of them. And I need I'm to watch sure. Shaun of the Dead. Yes, you need to watch it. If you're over here, definitely. Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead. And the, the entire Cornetto trilogy, I would yeah. recommend, in fact. I think you'll get a lot out of them. Um, it doesn't have to be horror-related, the answer yeah. to this question, but uh, <laughs> is there any one thing you can think of that um, inspired you to get into uh, writing and film? Um, it's kind of funny because I didn't mention going to sleep with books and comics at the end of my bed. The main comics that I used to read that kind of um wanted me to got me to start writing a lot was the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, huh? the Percy Jackson books, and uh, at the time superhero films. When I was younger, I just superhero explosions, flying, spinning webs. So just the combination of everything there kind of opened up my creativity and um made me want to start writing and. I'll be real, this, the film in 2010, Insidious, terrified me to the point of not watching horror probably for a decade. So really? that's what's funny about now. I'm wholly into horror, but that that film scarred me for years. And then I only just got back into horror like a few years ago. <laughs> so uh, before it was mostly uh, Spider-Man and uh, Percy Jackson and things like that. So Spider-Man's your favorite superhero? Wolverine and the Batman are, but Spider-Man's oh. top three for sure. Wolverine's good choice. Yeah, we'll on that one definitely, especially um, 
Hugh Jackman. Oh yeah, Hugh Jackman. Logan is my favorite film of all time. Really? Yeah, I, yes. I can understand that entirely. Uh, it's a great film. Yeah, I just love the um, <sighs> grittier feel of it after the previous X Men's and the well, there's some moments of true horror in it as well. I there think. is um, the scene. I know. I know we're thinking about the same scene. The family uh, watching that entire uh, scene in black and white. It's, it takes it to another level, and that that's all that also inspires me. Yes, they have a um, I have the Blu-ray special edition where they released it in noir, black and white, holy the whole film. So that entire sequence, just stuff like that, watching that film actually inspired me to make more darker films, more grounded and gritty. Because the previous films, like I love the Wolverine until the final act. The final act kind of ruined, uh, well, it didn't ruin the film, but it took it down a few points. But mm-hmm the Logan was so grounded and gritty and more realistic. It's like you could walk outside and see Logan and Laura kind of like making their way, trying to get somewhere. And I was like, I want to do more things like that where it doesn't have to be floaty, magical and explodey, just grounded, realistic, yet slightly altered into more of a different world, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's essentially taking this world but slightly augmenting certain yes. people and then seeing the differences in reactions to them, you know, how they mm-hmm. have to fit into society, which I think X-Men is kind of always been about, hasn't it? Yeah. But it seems to be happening a lot in, in all the series that I've seen as well recently. Do you watch Arrowverse at all? I used to watch Arrow, but I, I kind of fell off after the uh, Marvel Netflix shows came out, like Daredevil, The Punisher and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, they were good. I'm, I'm, I could quite easily talk about them for the next hour. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> I could too, but I know. <laughs> we should probably um, move on. Yeah. So going back to your education, what do you think so far, I know you're not finished yet, but what do you feel that so far is the most valuable thing that you'll take away from it? So far, um, Mostly, and of course, the writing part is great, The uh, especially the first trimester where it was uh, focusing on the the novels. Um, it, it, the, the main thing from that uh, was that I could put anything into fruition if I try. Before, when I was younger, I would always have these ideas, but I didn't know how to put them on a screen or on paper. But now that I'm actually constantly seeing, like the, the previous film we just did was actually very Hannibal Lecter-inspired, seeing what I did with the camera and how we edited it and put it on the screen, it made me go, I can make anything happen if I put my mind to it, even if it later seems like I didn't do it. I go, I did it. That was me. That wasn't just uh, some fancy equipment. I had one camera, a few friends, and a cheap microphone, and it looked that good. It just makes me go, imagine what I could do with just a bit better. So, yeah, I can make anything happen if I put my mind to it. And are you using... um all physical makeup and effects or is there a chance to use cgi or anything like that purely physical for now because um i've always liked practical effects better i mean cgi is its place but i think uh practical effects and then a little cgi on top that that's the best but so far we've only been using like practical effects and real things do you get any chance i know you're only in the first year aren't you thinking about it if you start in august but is there any chance to collaborate with students on say games design courses to do effects um I, I actually i haven't actually met anyone from the uh from that course yet so that'll be a i should uh one of my teachers was um recommending that we reach out to different courses and things that could be a good idea thank you very much no problem <laughs> <laughs>
so so far again as you've only been here for a year then you may not have had much chance to get involved with these kind of things yet but um have there been any aspects of the course that have actually helped your career development rather than the creative side um, career development ah that's that's kind of a um it's kind of hard to say that uh, not without the creative side because the career is kind of the creative for me right now but um I don't know if it counts, but one thing that I have learned from all of my classes so far, which is um, kind of centered around making my craft better, would be the entire show not tell thing that we've learned kind of on screen in films or TV shows or writing. Uh, you don't have to say everything. You don't have to write it out in narration or anything. You you show it. And um, while it's still creative, that's kind of making me feel like my career will go further using that knowledge because a lot of films now, um, I don't know if you saw the terrible original Suicide Squad. The new one was really good. The Suicide Squad was great. But the original, there's just a scene where uh, Rick Flagg just explains with words what the woman's katana does. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, so you couldn't just show it in action. You just go say, it devours the souls of whoever it touches. We didn't, So <laughs> we didn't want to hear that. We wanted to see it. So um, after, after going through this, I feel like that will take my career to a next level when I start uh, producing things. Because um, it makes me, it makes you more creative. It makes you think, how could I get this across without saying it? How could I get these people to realize what I'm trying to tell them while just showing them? And that's another thing that I did in my latest uh, short film, which was a lot. Of, some people didn't get it. Some people did get it. But um, it's I don't want to spoil it. But it's that's kind of uh, helping my career, uh, in my opinion. Have you ever been tempted to try making a silent film, perhaps? where there's no opportunity to tell at all. I actually we did for one of our for one of our uh projects it was I think what's the name of it? I forgot the name of the actual uh, the project but it was a challenge for no one could be on screen, no one could speak. You just had to get across what was happening through uh editing and practical effects. So that was challenging, of course, because I wanted to jump on screen and show off my acting skills. But at the time, they were like, no, you can't do that. So we uh, we just had to take the camera, uh, do some things and get the point across. And it actually did turn out pretty well. What did you do for it? Well, it was um, I think I called I called the film Hell's Bounty and it was about another horror, obviously. Um, and it was just we, we got a flashlight uh, or a torch. We strapped on a uh, red tape to it, uh, multiple layers of red tape. And we went to multiple places, including my accommodation and someone else's accommodation. And we kind of guided the red light through uh, different places. So as we put it together, filming it, it was like this hellhound or whatever, this this the spirit with a red, like the red gaze was going through the building, searching for people that they couldn't find. And towards the end of the film, uh, I went into the lift filmed the lift going up from floor um, zero up to my floor. And between those cuts, we put in bloody handprints. So it was just saying that, hmm, this, whatever this is, it's caused destruction, it's left things uh, distraught. And uh, maybe a few people died. And then at the end, we did this really cool, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's called a matte shot, where the, the last handprint transitioned into a leaf. So it's, the leaf is shaped like a hand, and uh, we transition it to that 
And that was pretty much the silent film. Um, silent. We didn't speak. We put music in, but even then, um, that that was a huge challenge in a way. Anyway, but yeah, that was the closest thing we did to a completely silent film. If we wanted to, we could have took out the audio. So was it all from the monster's point of view? Um, it's it, I don't want to say it was from its point of view. We did have a few point of view shots, but mostly it would just be like a singular um, angle, and you would just see the light kind of go across the room. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then we'll do another one where the light goes across the room, and there was like one shot from the point of view with the camera shaking a little bit. But um, for the most part, it was just like seeing the light, like um, wherever the light went was the eyes gazing across the room. Right. Yeah. I was envisioning the kind of... Well, the jaws, the classic jaws, <laughs> sight through the water. Yeah. Or the um, end of Silence of the Lambs you mentioned, Lecter, earlier. Oh, I love Silence of the Lambs. That The ending of that film where you're basically in Clarice's field of vision. You're just yeah, seeing what she's yeah. going through, that's, night vision. That scene, when I first watched the film, that's actually the film that pulled me into horror. The Silence of the Lambs. And seeing that, that was the first scene in so long when he puts his hand out and it's about to touch her on the back of the head. It, that was the first scene that had my heart racing, and I was so tense for the first time ever. I was like, oh, my God. That is brilliant filmmaking. And that's what that's that's what really pulled me into it. That's great. You've got a good pedigree to work towards <laughs> it. Because <laughs> that is a, a classic film. It is. Um, now, this might be difficult because you're still learning, clearly, but... Is there any piece of advice you think you would give to your younger self now, other than don't do business, maybe? <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm 21 now. I'm a, I'll be 22 in August. Um, so I think I've had a little enough time to say this, um, which is you will not be stuck at home forever. Just hold on and keep working towards your dreams and they will come true. Because at a certain point in life, I felt like I would never leave my house. I would never leave my hometown. And I was stuck here. Things seemed, uh, I mean, the UK seemed so far away. Even even just a, a state over seemed so far away, and I was always wondering, like I was always afraid, paranoid about not not being able to do what I wanted to do. And next thing I know, I'm I'm four thousand two hundred and twenty four miles away uh, from home, and I'm finally living my dream. So I would tell my uh, younger self to hold on, or I could just say, hey, you'll be you'll be in the UK, and let me see a day after your twenty first birthday. <laughs> But uh, mainly just hold on and uh, keep working because it'll be it'll pay off. It'll pay off. How have you found transitioning to being over here from America? Funny enough, the it was actually quite quite crazy. When I first got here, I was so paranoid. I did not want to walk outside. I didn't want to look at people. I felt you know how you go out, you're paranoid. I feel like people are watching you, even though they're not. It's like that that entire thing. I had a lot of anxiety because um, I never really had a social life before I moved, given that I was I did homeschool um, for most of my life. So I was kind of inside all the time. So when I finally got out, I felt like when I landed in London, I felt like I was at home, a feeling like this felt like home. But at the same time, being around so many people, I was really nervous. So through quarantine, um, I was always dreading, like finally stepping out. When I finally got out, I was walking around, felt really small, felt really scared. But then as I started to meet people and get to know people, go to my courses every day, I started to open up. And now I find myself just greeting random people and uh, finally feeling alive, if that makes any sense. Because I really didn't feel, I didn't know what life was before. But now that transition, it, it went from like, kind of like a closed flower to a blossoming flower. That's how I feel. <laughs> It's just uh, the transition was rough, but it was it finally smoothed out. 
and you were homeschooled, you say. Yes, yes. Um, early, let me see, early childhood. I, I think I did kindergarten in public school, did first grade, and then my parents pulled me out in second grade. My mom strictly homeschooled me from there, and then from there we did an online program, which was still homeschooling, but just with a curriculum online, and then uh, we had to meet for official testing. But up and pretty much it was homeschool through most of my life, so I wasn't out as much as I um, thought I would have been. And was that because um, your parents didn't think the education system or that school in particular was helping you? Well, it was it was that, um, and my mom always, even in public school, she always gave me worksheets to do and things like that. But at that particular school, the the teachers were extremely mean to me for that purpose. Even just, um, I would go into class already knowing what we had because my mom would prep me for it, and they would get extremely upset that I would get done early because I was okay. I won't lie, I was quite the talkative child, but I, you know that's children talk. But those uh, those teachers in particular, they they always had it out for me and would get me into trouble randomly. Oh, he's talking too much. Come get him. Um, but uh, it was a lot of bullying through there, which is why I got pulled from that school. And from there, my mom, um, my parents felt really they felt like they wanted to take matters into their own hands and kind of uh, work it out with me. And it turned out really well. And did you still have much chance to socialize through your homeschooling? Um. Mostly online, of course, we would do these online classes where we can chat. And um, when we met up, I don't know if um, you have ever heard of the CRCT testing. No. Uh, it's a testing uh, that happens like every, if I'm not mistaken, every year where all the uh, kids would come together and do these huge testing to see where they were, if they were okay to pass it in the next grade. So mm-hmm. that's when I would like for, I think for a week or two, you would meet up there, do your testing and uh, you would get to socialize with uh, the other kids and stuff. So I did get a bit of social life there. But, of course, there was a, being a very young kid. And um, besides that, not much. I did have a, I do have a close friend still from childhood, uh, Jalen. But uh, aside from that, th- this being here, this is the most I've ever socialized in my life. Because uh, from there, after my mom got diagnosed with MS, I dropped out from the online school in 10th grade, got my GED, at 16 years old, and from there I took care of her. So uh, that whole social thing kind of died down even more after after that period. So I've had, I've had kind of a it's not confusing, but it was it's a very odd uh, <laughs> uh, schooling experience growing up. So there are lots of differences for you being over here. Yes, it home. is. Yeah, it's it's completely different from whatever I've ever known. But if you don't mind me saying. You seem very well socialized. You're clearly very good at talking, so it hasn't oh, thank harmed you, you at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, um, I've definitely had to improve my speech, though, because I, every time I used to get nervous, I would, like, stutter over my words. I'm always nervous about that. But now getting out and literally just walking up and I like making people smile. That's that's what I've always loved to do since I was a kid. So just being able to go out and talk to people and put a smile on their face, that kind of motivates me to talk more. Though some may not like it, they're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned Doctor Who and, and fish and chips. So there are other elements of um, British culture that's made its way to USA that kind of helped your transition when you came over here. Do you think? Um, funny enough, actually, yes. Watching uh, watching Doctor Who got me used to different accents because at first uh, I know a lot of people back uh, in the uh, in the US. Some may not understand some accents. Now there are some British people that don't understand other British people here, and it's hilarious, especially when we go to the pub. And they're trying to tell you something that you can't understand what they're trying to say. But aside from that, um, 
getting used to the accents really helped me because sometimes I forget. I'm like, hold up, is this person British? Because I'm so used to the accent, I don't hear an accent anymore. So watching those show the shows and um getting used to like the, the different cuisine and things like that, it really um it got me prepared. But there was a lot of stuff that I didn't expect when I got here too, which was really cool. What kind of things? Well, funny enough, I don't know why I expected the food to be so uh like uh the food choices to be so narrow. Next thing I know, I'm walking down the street, uh going to Weatherspoons, and I see like all of these Chinese restaurants and Indian restaurants. And I didn't expect there to be so many different cuisines here. It's like more than back home, uh, which is which is really cool because I've I actually I need to. I keep saying I need to. I haven't tried Indian food yet, but I am in love with mm-hmm. Chinese and uh, like Japanese. And uh, I haven't tried South Korean food either, um, Korean food. So um, I'm, I'm looking all around, but I did not expect so many different cuisines. I thought it was just going to be like the typical pub food, but it's definitely a lot more than I expected. Uh, that's one of the advantages of colonialism, I guess. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it, it's great. I mean, it applies to television as well as food, I guess. And when I was brought up in the 80s, a lot of these things, they didn't exist. You know, you wouldn't have got the accents in TV programs, Doctor Who in particular. I can think yeah. back and it was all, you know, very Southern accents, very middle class. But now they've, they've got a lot better at, yeah, representing the whole of British culture now, I think, haven't they? So that yeah. might help a bit for relocating from abroad, I guess, if you've been brought up on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the food as well. There is a lot of variety. And yeah. a, but a lot of it is British versions. Of, uh, yeah. So when you have an Indian here, and they are great Indian food, I think you'll love it. But it's, you know, it's not what they'd eat in India. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it and, and have made that transition. Yeah, so thank well. you, thank you. It's great. I appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, talking about Cambridge, um, what's your favourite thing about studying here? And, and have you discovered anything about it that you didn't know before? It was funny. I never expected um, nightlife to be my thing. But nightlife has gradually grown me. Um, before, I was... As a kid, I was very naive. I said, I will never go to a club. I will never get drunk. I will never do these things. I mean, that was a very wholesome outlook on life now. But as I've gotten here and experienced a nightlife, going to the pubs late night, hanging out with friends, just even just walking through Parker's Peace, where I did it not to know that uh, football originated. Amazing. Um, just walking through there, it's... Um, it really opened me up to to, to new experiences being out because being out at night is so different from the day. You have drunk people stumbling on the sidewalks that you might be slightly afraid of, so you go across the street and walk away from them. Um, and then you have these uh, miraculous experiences at the clubs and at the pubs uh, while you're drunk and talking to other people. Uh, it's, 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 it's joy. It's joyous. And uh, But for sure, I did not know that uh, the shops closed so early here, though, because some shops close after <laughs> 6, which is really different because mm-hmm. back home usually things would close 11 or past 12 and it was open all day. So being here, I definitely, I, I go, Oh, I really got to jump over here to this bookstore before it closes because I'm not, a, I'm not used to things closing so early. So even bookstores stay open late. Oh yes. Yes. Pro- maybe not as late, like, um, like 12, but they were open. They will stay open until probably like 10 or 11 at least, um, back at home. So is it a city where you come from town or yeah, uh, Macon, oh, Georgia City. Yeah, Macon. Yeah, it's a city. It's uh, it's actually right under Atlanta. So it's like so you, 40, 40 something minute drive uh, up to Atlanta from Macon. 
Okay. Yeah. So you're used to big town life. Well, it's anyway. Making these, it's it's kind of hard to say. I know it's it's nowhere as uh it's not huge, but um because it does have some a lot of uh, rural areas um and of course you have uh different areas, but it's it's not like huge city like Atlanta. Atlanta is like huge city, and I actually really hate going to Atlanta for the purpose of so much traffic. Um, but here it's it's really different too because uh, I think that. London would probably be the Atlanta of the UK, um, of England. But the difference is back there in Atlanta, whenever we used to go, the traffic is so stacked. But here, it's so accessible when you're walking and you have um, the public transport system. Back in Atlanta, I don't even, I don't know if they have a good tra- a public transport system. I don't feel safe using it if they do. So um, here, it's, it's really it's really different when it comes to that. Well, that's that's surprising because I never thought I'd hear anybody say that London had a good <laughs> transport system. Well, so for, I've only I actually funny enough, I just went back to London since I flew in last Monday. I've I have not been uh there since let me see. I flew in, came straight to Cambridge to uh, a taxi. So, I haven't been back until last Monday. Walked throughout um I love the train ride from Cambridge to London. It was great actually. And um, I'm going back Saturday, so um, I know a lot of people say that the public transport is like bad and I've heard a lot. I haven't rode a bus yet actually, cause I heard that the buses sometimes they get canceled and, um, sometimes they're really late, but compared to back home, it seems like it's a more reliable trans, uh, transportation system than, um, you know, it's, it's more reliable here than back home, even though sometimes it can't be reliable. It's expectations, I guess, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. London is so huge compared to anywhere else in britain yeah it it seems crazy i think for me especially i lived there for about six months and i remember getting a bus once and it took about i don't know about an hour to go less than two miles what (laughs) oh my god i think it was just a very bad day to pick but the traffic was so bad i couldn't move but I, i think um yeah i think you're right i think it is about expectation it's about what you're used to isn't it yeah I'm sure because we like to complain anyway, us Brits, <laughs> we'll find anything to complain yeah. about if we can. See, everybody always asks me, why did you come here? And I'm like, why not? Like, and they're, they're always, hey, you sh- why? They always ask me why. But speaking of traffic, I'll tell you this. One thing that really did surprise me was, um, first of all, the roads are really narrow here. So I'm not, I wasn't used to that because back home in America, we have like so many lanes for people to drive in or even on the the roads where it's just two lanes, they're wide enough for you not to have to pull over to let people pass. But uh, the difference is here, drivers seem a lot more courteous. Back home, even though you have more room, they drive crazy back home, but here they seem more courteous uh, when it's on uh, on the road. So that's like uh, really different as well. So have you driven around Cambridge much? Well, uh, grounded uh, I have a car back home, but after after seeing Cambridge and uh, driving around in the in the Ubers and stuff, going in the Ubers and stuff, I refuse to drive here because it's so complicated <laughs> and it makes me nervous. And the bikers make me even more nervous. But um, yeah, that's the I've been in a in a handful of uh, taxis and Ubers, so um, I kind of got an idea for what it is, which is why I will not be driving myself. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's, it's really different though. <laughs> But you should learn to cycle, I'd say. <laughs> oh, God. I, funny enough, people uh, used to make fun of me for it. I really don't care now. I don't know how to ride a bike. I like my legs. It's fine. I can just walk. 
it's, it's, it's quite easy to walk wherever you want here, isn't it? Yeah, it, it makes me so paranoid when I'm in a, especially one of those huge uh, cabs. And you know how they drive? They drive like really fast and close to people because they're trying to get you where you're going. And when they pull up on these, um, on the bikers, I'll, I'm like, if that was me, I would be very terrified right now seeing this huge bus pull up behind me so close. Um, we've talked a bit already about the projects you're working on, but if you want to tell us a bit more, um, anything else well, right on now, or off the course? Yeah, right now on the course, working on this uh, comedy short, as I mentioned earlier, it's, uh, it's going to be more of a day in a life type of thing where, uh, have you ever seen, you've seen Deadpool, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, Several and, and uh, one of my uh, friends, Lewis, actually got us to watch Train Spotting One and Two, which yeah. I I I liked one a lot, but two for some reason just watching one made two even just more impactful. So after watching those Deadpool um, and things of that sort, I was like, I really want to uh, make a film that's just stupidly funny, breaking the fourth wall. It's just uh, just kind of a day in the life, so uh, we're working on something uh, like that where I'll likely be the main character because for some reason I can deliver the most ridiculous lines with a completely straight face. Um, uh, so we're thinking of like narration in the head and then saying uh, these ridiculous things, buying alcohol, getting drunk, and uh, just kind of just kind of making a day in the life in um, wherever we are. We may film in London, we may film here in Cambridge. Um, so it's going to be I'm working on that right now. It's an early early production, but we're working on it right now. And um, off of the course, I'm working on this uh, horror novel, as I mentioned, but it's about um, actually these fortune cookies at this particular uh, Chinese restaurant. And these fortune cookies come true. So you ever hear about those jokes saying, oh, the fortune cookie says someone's going to come after you in five days? Well, that's that's pretty much what I'm working with here. It's going to be uh, it's very creepy. And um, after, after it's finished, people are literally going to be afraid to open their own fortune cookies. I guarantee that. <laughs> So are these um, short films, or are they? Well, the uh, the horror novel. Yeah, the, the oh, horror sorry, novel. It's a, the novel is a. Um, it's, it might be a short novel, like a novelette, uh, unless I can pull more out of it. But I don't want to. I don't want to stretch it if it doesn't stretch that far. Um, that's as with all these films and whatever I do, I don't want to stretch it if it doesn't go that far. So for sure, the uh, the no, It might be a novelette, but the comedy short is going to be a short film of anywhere from like three to five minutes as it's for the course but i'm going to work on it like it's not for the course i'm going to work on it as i'm going to release it to an audience so that'll make it even better that's good yeah and other competitions or anything like that you can apply to submit your work to Actually, funny enough i actually haven't looked at that which i should um i think there is though i might um i might talk to a few of my lecturers to see but for sure i'm definitely um the last film that I did, I believe that it may be eligible. It was really good, um, as I can send you a link to it later. Um, but I will definitely send you a link to the the comedy short as well when it comes out. But I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping to make it look really good, make it funny, and if it's uh, if it if it lands, I'll definitely be pushing it for competitions if there are some. Great. You know about the Cambridge Film Festival, I assume. Um, wasn't that last week? Did that happen last week? Oh, was it? Week? That's something I don't know, I must admit. If, if I'm not mistaken, because um, I know my friend, she worked for a few days for a film festival, so that might have been the one, um, if I'm not mistaken. If But if it wasn't last week, that was something different, but I'm pretty sure it was the film festival. Because I know our students often get involved with it, but usually, yeah. I think, in the third year, 
tends mm. to happen, that kind of thing. It didn't run, obviously, for the last couple of years. Yeah. Not how it usually does. Yeah, because I, I believe she, uh, my friend, she did, because uh, she she went out for like three days and then they did a little something at the um, the picture house uh, near Spoons, Weatherspoons. So I think that might have been the one. Yeah. Well, something to ask your lecturers about. I'd say. Yeah. It's, um, it's good to get involved with. There's Water Sprite as well, Student Film Festival. That may have been the one that you're... Yes, yeah. that's fourth yeah. of March. That was the one, yeah. Yeah. So no, our students often get involved with both of those and they've done reviews and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely good to get involved with while you're here. Um, well, thank you, Michael. It's been of course. great talking to you. Yeah, thank you. It's been great talking to you too. I appreciate the uh, the invite for the interview. No problem at all. And good luck with all your projects and the course. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs>